0: Thanks again for uh, deciding to participate with us in uh, our online and on-site worship celebration today. And, uh, so there's a word. We share this word with you and I want to tell you right up front it is not a new cuss word. So don't freak out that a pastor saying this word. In church on Sunday. VUCA. I see some of you going. Are you sure? Now VUCA is not a cuss word. It is not a cuss word at all. Uh, actually uh, this is. Uh, uh, it's actually not really a word. It's uh, a. It, it's a term that the, uh, uh, the. The military leaders came up with. Right after 9-11. Which. Maybe some of you go, well, you sure it's not a cuss word? Uh, No, it's uh, not a new cuss word. It stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It was their way of trying to describe the fact that we're in a whole new world. Um, It describes a situation of constant, unpredictable change that's now the norm. For our world, things have just—it's just accelerated since nine eleven. Nine eleven changed every lot of things, and it's just gotten more and more more changed. Uh, I, I, somebody described it as whitewater rafting, something I like to watch other people do. Uh, as not a big fan of swimming. Because I float like a rock, well not quite like a rock, water log, uh, wa- uh, a water-soaked log, I, I don't sink to the bottom, I just sink partway. Far enough to drown, but not far enough to be lost forever, which is I guess good for the survivors, um, not good for me. That's why I'm not fond of s- swimming. Uh, well, whitewater rafting looks yeah, fun to watch other people do it for me. Uh, but as, as I look at it, and life is becoming more and more like a, a VUCA. It's like whitewater rafting on a wild river at flood stage where there's totally surprising, unplanned, uncharted whirlpools, waterfalls, And to top it all off, alligators and hippos trying to tip the raft so they can eat you for lunch. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you think that might describe your life in our world, but I think it does describe uh, a lot of what's going on around the world. Just when you think, oh, I think I'm, I'm... You know, the wave comes from over there where you didn't expect it. There's a drop-off you didn't know was coming. And then there's that hippo just trying to tip over your raft. Or the alligator that tried to take a bite out of the bottom of it. The question I'm going to ask us is, is it really possible to experience peace in a vuku or vuka world, a broken world like this? In a season similar to this, a season of anxiety and unpredictability in ancient Israel, Isaiah the prophet, God's messenger to his ancient people, he predicted an unbridled time of worship. He said, you know, Isaiah had themes going, two major themes throughout his book, 66 chapters long. It's a long, long book. But in that, there's a theme. There's bad times coming and there's good times coming. Bad times coming first, the good times are going to follow it. Uh, Isaiah's one of the prophets that's quoted often in the New Testament. He says a lot of things that relate to Jesus and his coming. He's one of the prophets that's quoted a lot at Christmas time. We read a couple of, uh, we read a verse from him this morning already. Listen to what he says in Isaiah, the 26th chapter. He says, in that day, in that day of hope that's coming, he says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. So, to people who, that Isaiah had been preaching to and who were wondering, is it possible in this world where calamity is coming? Is it possible for peace? Is it possible to know peace in this broken world? Isaiah prophesies perfect peace. Or, as he said it in his Hebrew language, shalom, shalom. Shalom is where, when we say peace, we usually mean like the absence of conflict. Everything's smooth, everything's going well. So it's like you're doing that whitewater rafting and then all of a sudden, you're out of the rapids and the river is just like glass. It's perfectly smooth, gently flowing, maybe a ripple or two but basically everything is going fine for as far as the eye can see that's kind of the way we picture peace shalom is deeper than that shalom includes wholeness and health and welfare prosperity and safety rest and harmony and tranquility it's it's the absence of all the scary stuff and, and the presence of all the things that make us healthy and well. And it's the things that bless us. It's not just the absence of bad, it's the presence of good. And Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace in shalom, shalom. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Is shalom possible? His people were asking. Is shalom possible in this broken world? And Isaiah's response is yes, but the battle for peace begins in our minds because peace isn't found in the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. So here, you get nothing else. This is the sermon in a sentence. True peace is found in the presence of God. True peace is found in the presence of God. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. That's where we tend to think that it is, but true peace is found in the presence of God. So we can be in the middle of that White water rafting experience with the hippos trying to tip us over and the whirlpools showing up out of nowhere trying to suck our raft down to the bottom of the river and the waterfalls suddenly trying to drop us 10,000 feet or whatever and we can still experience peace because God is with us. The battle for peace begins in our minds. The Apostle Paul wrote about the battle for peace in his letter to the first century church in the Greek town of Philippi. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 9. He says to them, do not be anxious about anything. I could have use my picture. Don't worry about the whirlpools, or the waterfalls, or the rapids, or the alligators trying to eat your raft. But in every situation, by prayer, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This first promise. Don't have to be anxious about anything As long as you pray, give your petitions with thanksgiving, and your requests to God, and then His peace is shalom, will guard your hearts and minds in those circumstances. But that's not it. He goes on and he says finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, running out of fingers, admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. God of peace will be with you. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of God. And so the battle for peace begins in our minds, which brings us to a very important question. What are our minds focused on? Paul tells us we're supposed to focus on Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And to give everything else to God in prayer. And that when we do, not only will the God of peace be with us, and his peace will guard our hearts and minds. So, here's the question. I want to ask you to ponder this. Think about this question with me for a moment or two. Is what I'm reading, listening to, watching, discussing with others, saying to myself and my thoughts, are these things helping me experience Jesus' presence and his peace is what I'm reading or listening to or watching or discussing with others or saying to myself and my thoughts, helping me experience Jesus' presence and peace. Here's a hint. We can answer the question backwards. If I'm not experiencing Jesus' peace and presence, I'm probably not thinking, listening to, watching, discussing, or saying things to myself that allow me to experience it. We've probably developed habits of thinking, ways of talking to each other, talking (coughs) to ourselves, habits of listening, watching, that keep us from experiencing his presence and his peace. those who in perfect peace whose minds are stayed fixed, steadfast because they trust in you. It's easy to say, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the Lord our God. Who do we? Do we trust him enough to experience his presence and his peace, or are there things we're still anxious about? I'm just raising my hand because I know somebody that lives and sits on this seat once in a while, most weekly. Uh, who still has to fight anxiety and worry. Yes, even me. In case you couldn't figure out what I was talking about. I was talking about me. I I don't always know peace, and I know why. Occasionally I have somebody, need somebody to preach at me. Or to quote my own words back at me. So, this world is nuts. This world will rob us of peace. This world will keep us from experiencing his presence in his peace. And this Advent season, I want us to <coughs> change that. We don't have to be robbed of presence, and his peace, I want us to focus our attention on him. So I'm inviting you to join me in, in that. If you are a part of the, uh, if you've been using the uh, Bible app, the Version Bible app, I invite you to join me uh, in reading the 22 Days of Peace uh, Bible Reading Plan. We're going to be doing that, some of us together encourage you to do that. Uh, that's going to be part of our, uh, our experience. The next, uh, what we're starting today, 22 days will probably take us pretty close to Christmas, depending on how good my math is. 3 and 22 should be 25, but somewhere no around there. So, um, peace because we're going to to know he's with us let's pray King Jesus you are Emmanuel you are God with us that's not just your name it's who you are you are the prince of peace the God of peace never leaves us, never forsakes us. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us to experience the perfect peace that only you can give us. Because of your grace and your love, we receive your peace and release our fear. We receive your peace and release our doubt. We receive your peace and release our anxiety. We receive your peace and release our grief and loss. We receive your peace and release our brokenness and sickness. We receive your peace in the midst, in the middle of our storms because you are with us. God, we claim your promise. May your peace guard our hearts and our minds. May we experience your presence with us in ways that we have never experienced it before. Draw us closer to you than we've ever been in the next few weeks as we draw closer and closer to Christmas in the celebration of your first coming. Starting here and now, Help to experience your presence. Amen. Well, before we do anything else, before we go anywhere further, let's talk. Um, almost two years ago, my phone started ringing. It was the year I turned sixty-five. When I turned, when it, 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 those of you who have turned sixty-five, you know what happens when you, the year you turn sixty-five, and every year after that, during opening enrollment season. Have we got a deal for you? Constant barrage of phone calls, emails, letters. We're going to tell you how to get the best deal for Medicare that you could possibly imagine. And about the same time people... Found out I was turning 65 and wanted to sell me all kinds of great deals on Medicare insurance and supplements. People found out I was turning 65 because I was moaning and groaning about all the junk that was harassing me. Uh, They started saying, so when when are you going to retire? Only 65 for Pete's sakes. But you know, if you ask the same question over and over, you begin to think, well, maybe I ought to consider this. Uh, so, Connie and I have been seeking to discern God's direction regarding our future for for the last couple of years. And when will we? When will I retire? When? Where, where will we live? What will we do? Um, that kind of thing. Well, we know where we're going to live. Um, Bought a house on the South End. Okay, what cares? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we went we bought a house on the South End. We went, uh we want to stay close to our grandchildren. Um since they all live in Bay City, that kind of became a no-brainer. We thought about moving back to Indiana, but then we did a calculation that's four or five hours from their grandkids. Yeah, it's too far. That's just too far to drive. Uh, so uh, we plan to. We're getting trying to get some work done on that house to, to make it look more like us and less like the people who used to live there. Um, but then we're going to move into that house. And we also know when uh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire at the end of June. Uh, this this coming June, June 24th, uh, June june 30th in 2024 that's a sunday that'll be my last sunday as a pastor yeah well i know it's weird i gotta tell you something folks uh it is weird it's weird for over 40 years um I have known exactly exactly this is what God wants me to do and now he's saying he wants me to do something else okay one of my daughters reminded me that I can do new I can do new N-E-W I can do something new okay Uh, So, but, you know, at the same time, I'm going, okay, Lord, uh, I feel like, we, you know, I've been here for 30 years, we ought to probably say something before, like, you know, regulations say six weeks beforehand, and I thought, you know, 30 years, six weeks beforehand is like, uh, that's not nice. So, that's why I'm saying something now, seven months ahead. We all need some time to get ready. But my first next question was, what do you want me to do between now and then? Or, seriously. Um, And um, it was a pretty clear answer. Um, Prepare my people to discern my leading. Since you guys, you all, he concluded, you all need to keep learning about how to know what I want, how I'm leading, and encourage each other to develop an even stronger trust in me. Um, I'm sure God is not done with us; He's done done with this congregation. He, he still plans; Jesus still plans to build His church. Now, this is unfamiliar territory for all of us. I know some of you have gone through pastoral changes in the past. There's not a single one of you that's gone through a pastoral change after 30 years. (laughs) And I've never retired before. Go figure. I do know pastors who have retired before. And they came back, and I, I don't expect that to happen. Um... Here's the good news, we are not left to try to figure this out on our own. The Great Lakes region that we belong to, the Great Lakes region of the Westland Church, has appointed Pastor Wes Coffee to assist us, uh, work with us through this transition. Uh, his official child title, I love it, Church Support Specialist. He's going to help us. Uh, he and I have already met once this week, uh, this last week. Uh, I met him last summer just completely for something completely different. Uh, I like him. I think you're going to be very thankful that uh, God's brought us together. The board is going to begin meeting with him in January. Um, and to uh, further uh, assure you of our, the region's support, Before I said anything about this to the region, before I talked to them about what I was thinking about, our regional superintendent, Chris Conrad, sent me an email. I'm going to read you a couple of lines from that email. Uh, He started, the beginning of the email was, back in the the day, district superintendents went to every church every year to... Speak, of course. Now, in a region with like 150 churches, that's not possible. And 150 might be a low number for us. You know, we got three whole states in our region. Um, so he says, I, I don't do that. But he says one of the things I attempted to discern. This is a quote: One of the things I attempted to discern each year is the churches I asked for the privilege of coming to speak. These are the churches that I consider to be churches of influence regardless of size. I would be honored, he said, if you would consider it allowing me the privilege of speaking at your church sometime in 2024. He prays about where he's going to speak, considers our church, be a church of influence. So he wanted to come here to speak. And he's going to be here on Sunday, May 5th. Now, I know that uh, this is a Fuca world for us personally and individually and collectively. We've seen some dark times Uh, The last two or three years as a congregation. And I'm not sure that we're, you know, can say that the light is at the end of the tunnel yet. Uh, But God, but God, two powerful words that I absolutely love to say. But God is still writing our story. I'm looking forward to see what the Lord wants to give to the Bay City Wesleyan Church. God ain't done. God's not done. So, we've got some work to do in the next few months. It's going to be interesting. Okay. As I usually say, here we go. This time of worship is over, but our work is just beginning. You are sent, but you are not alone Go with King Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.